0: Welcome to the Chopped Guillotine Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, Joe Harris. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the Chopped Guillotine Podcast. I'm Joe Harris, back with another start-sit episode, which should be a little shorter because the NFL, in their infinite wisdom, decided to put six teams on by in week seven. It's a choice. We're not a fan of it, but that's okay. We're going to keep on rolling. This is one of the more important weeks to have your start-and-sit decisions absolutely down pat because the margin for error just got considerably smaller. Before we begin, today's episode is sponsored by Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Save those titties and wear some pink. Moving in to our first game. We, fortunately, do not have to deal with the overseas, with the London games, for at least this week. We're gonna have them uh, coming again very soon, but to start off the noon slate, we have A battle of two backup quarterbacks. The Las Vegas Raiders at the Chicago Bears. Whatever the under is in this game, bet it. The Las Vegas Raiders will be starting Brian Hoyer. The Chicago Bears will be starting Tyler Bajan. Tyson. Tyson? Tyler? One of them. And your guess is as good as mine to uh, which one of them will be starting. On the Las Vegas side of things, you've got three pretty clear start guys, right? The two receivers and the running back over there, Devontae Adams, uh, Josh Jacobs, and of course, Jacoby Myers, who has been on an absolute tear, are all still starts, even with Brian Hoyer, excuse me, in the lineup. Hoyer has arguably even a better rapport um, with Jacoby Myers because of the time that they both spent together in New England for however brief uh, that was. He... You know, Brian Hoyer just hasn't had the luxury of throwing uh, to Devontae Adams. If he did, maybe he'd be a starter somewhere. Devontae's that type of guy. But obviously, you're not pulling those guys out of a lineup. Definitely not with six whole ass NFL teams on by. So we're looking at Michael Mayer as the one interesting start sit play in this game. I mean,. The the next most interesting start sit play for the Vegas Raiders is genuinely their defense, and I tend not to talk a lot about defenses, but I'll I'll get I'll throw them a bone here as well. They're liter- they're a ten out of ten. There's no situation that I'm going to look at the Las Vegas Raiders defense and sit them against the Chicago Bears. They the Chicago Bears don't have the offensive line to hold up against a guy like Max Crosby coming off the edge, Tyler or Tyson, whichever one it is, Bajent, does not have the speed or agility to get away from that type of pass rush. He could also definitely throw some picks. He is an undrafted rookie-free agent. Just 12 months ago, he was playing and losing to Colorado State, throwing interceptions and getting sacked against D2 college teams. For the Las Vegas Raiders, defense a 10 out of 10 on the offensive side of the ball michael mayer is more and more interesting as the weeks go on for me he is a must stash candidate we did not talk about him last in the last episode we totally should have complete overstate oversight pardon on my part he is a rookie tight end and the those two things are not They're not what you look for in guillotine fantasy football. You don't want rookies, generally speaking. They're very fluky. You never know if they're really catching on or if it's just one game where they get featured and then they disappear into nothingness again, i.e., Michael Wilson. But, and then, you know, tight ends are terrible. I've said it on almost every episode of this podcast that I've done since the season started, and I will continue this streak. Tight ends suck. Tight ends are terrible. I hate that they exist. I hate that we have to worry about them for fantasy football. Tight ends are just kickers. Statistically, if you take Travis Kelsey out of the mix, the difference between the tight end position and the kicker position is that kickers are more consistent. And that's an embarrassment to tight ends everywhere. Michael Mayer is a tight end, so we've got to talk about him because all the other tight ends suck. He's a 4 out of 10 this week. I If it weren't such a heavy bye week, he would be a 2 or even a 1 out of 10. He's a guy I would much rather like to sit and wait and see what happens. But the Raiders have given more and more interest not only in coaching interviews saying, yeah, we want to get this guy more involved because he's really a phenomenal talent. But also, they're... They're putting their money where their mouth is. The targets are going his way. His route participation has skyrocketed in the last two weeks. Could this continue against a really terrible defense? I don't fucking know. That's why he's a four out of ten. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, on the Chicago side of things, we had this pegged um, early in the week as Roshan Johnson. is a guy who I was really excited about. I thought there was a lot of check down potential uh, from the Chicago Bears to Roshan, but... He will not suit up. He is still in concussion protocol. Really sad turn of events uh, for Roshan Johnson and people like me who love Roshan Johnson. So he is not going to be active. That means Deontay Foreman in a reasonably easy matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders is fills into this 8 out of 10 starting spot. Uh, He's not going to be on the receiving end of a ton of catches, although he does hold up really well in pass protection. That could translate to slow developing routes run in the event that there's not heavy pass rush. The only problem is there will probably be heavy pass rush just based off of how Vegas has played all year and how talented uh, Chicago's offensive line is. The pause was me deciding whether or not I was going to say something mean. Sorry. Um, But yeah. Deontay Foreman is a phenomenal one-week replacement, which, I mean, if you picked him up last week, you thought he was only going to be a one-week replacement, and now he's turning into a two-week replacement. Fantastic move on your part. Totally reasonable to fire him up in a flex or in a replacement RB2 role. And if he's just sitting on your bench, you can totally capitalize on him. Because there's someone in your league starting Jaleel McLaughlin or Keontae Ingram or Jeff Wilson and... Deontay Foreman becomes way more impressive of a play uh, than any of those guys. So, if you're not starting him, you need to capitalize off of him right now. It is good. It is worth it. Let's move on to our second game of the weekend that might feature two more backup quarterbacks. The Cleveland Browns taking on the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. Deshaun Watson questionable to play this week even if he plays unclear if his shoulder is in good shape or not depending on who you ask in that organization the head coach the medical staff Deshaun Sean Watson have all said different things so I'm not even I'm, I'm not going to try to make sense of it you don't try to make sense of it um, Elijah Moore not start worthy and Amari Cooper regardless of who's throwing the ball is probably worth a start against this Indianapolis defense but the guy who we really want to look at is Kareem Hunt who we have a questionable 5 out of 10 coin flips chance to be really good on. There's a there's a handful of reasons for this if if it weren't for him being questionable and missing practice coming into this week then I would be way higher on Kareem Hunt cuz he's got a lot going for him in this matchup. Uh Grover Stewart, Indianapolis' best Nose tackle uh, in terms of stopping the run has been suspended for using PEDs for six games, which makes sense, explains a lot of the things he was doing. Um, He was the receiving back. He cut in a lot to Jerome Ford's workload last week, but was less productive with it. He ran the same number of routes as Jerome Ford, which was something we hadn't seen uh, going into last week. In the event that Deshaun Watson plays and his shoulder is giving him trouble, we could see a lot of check down passes to Kareem Hunt. And again, like I talked about in the last episode, I really think they would have a fantastic connection. Deshaun Watson to Kareem Hunt just seems like a true mash made in hell, and it could be explosive for your fantasy team. In the event that Kareem Hunt plays, a totally fine start, but because we really don't know what's happening in Cleveland right now, he's a 5 out of 10 on the in Indianapolis side of things that was an extra syllable don't worry about it I'll, I'll i'll figure it out later uh Josh Downs is the only the only questionable guy who you should be considering starting you've got both the running backs if you feel like rolling the dice doing the dance with death you totally can against this Cleveland run defense i wouldn't i i would be shutting down both of the running backs against this they're a genuine 2 out of 10 You're not touching Gardner Minshew. You're not questioning starting Michael Pittman Jr., even though he's got the matchup against Cleveland. But Josh Downs is the one guy who you're going to be in between on because he has had the target share. He got the touchdown last week for, I think, his first NFL touchdown. Congratulations, Josh Downs. And it's really hard to find someone to slot in over him, even though he's playing against the Cleveland Browns who have been absolutely lights out against fantasy wide receivers. He's a four out of 10 in this matchup. If it were next week, Josh Downs would be a must bench player because next week, no one is on by. I, and I can't make that make sense. I'm sorry. I really can't. And, but, but this week we've got, you're down a lot of, Receivers, not just to injury, but a lot of teams with multiple good wide receivers are on by. Josh Downs is a low end start. If you're not in a PPR league, then Josh Downs doesn't matter. But all of you are in PPR leagues. I know (laughs) we know how you work. Um, I, I don't think he's going to get back to that, you know. I'm not sure if he has an end zone target because I'm not sure if the Indianapolis Colts are going to be able to throw a red zone pass. But he had eight targets last week, which was good for only 15% of the total targets. But they were airing the ball out a whole lot Uh, last game. I can absolutely see a continued high to mid-tier target share. But I don't see it turning into a whole lot of yards against this Cleveland defense. Odds of a touchdown again. Pretty Pretty low. It's on the low end. So I'm looking for a guy to slot in over Josh Downs. It's just really hard to find this week. I totally get it. A couple of guys who absolutely would, though, come in at the Buffalo at New England game. We've got Gabe Davis at a nice 8 out of 10. He's normally someone who we don't talk about as sitable. Just at all, He's a really fantastic wide receiver in a guillotine league format, because when you look at guys like Josh Downs or Roshan Johnson, who might be wide receiver three or flex for your team, Gabe Davis can slot into whatever role they're playing. And he has the exact same floor, which for that sort of player is zero. But he also has the sky high upside of, you know, multiple games this year with eight targets over 100 yards. And a touchdown. Like, you you don't see that when you get Josh Downs in your lineup, right? But in a matchup against the New England Patriots, even though they're really beat up on defense, and I do think that Buffalo's going to go for probably a million or so yards in this game, Gabe Davis has never topped 39 receiving yards playing against the New England Patriots. He's had a few touchdowns against them in his career, so that's really what you got to hope for when you're firing up Gabe Davis. But he's this isn't the this isn't the Gabe Davis matchup that we want to look for. There's we've said a couple times on this show that it's really hard to predict what's going to happen with Gabe Davis. This is the only real Gabe Davis trend. And knowing Gabe Davis, he'll probably just say, "Fuck it and break the trend. But it needs to be said it needs to be talked about. The New England Patriots, for whatever reason, just have not been the matchup for Gabe Davis. It's reasonable to sit him for some of the other guys on this list. Not Kendrick Bourne, who is a 5 out of 10. We've got a good whole lot of 5 out of 10 type of guys on this show today just because of nature of Week 7 coming up. Kendrick Bourne is just discount Gabe Davis, truly. He is a very streaky outside player. It depends on the Patriots' game plan and their game script and whether or not they're going to include Kendrick Bourne in the early and mid-going of this game or if they have some different plan, if they have a different plan, God knows what it is. There's no one else to give the ball to on this offense outside of Ramondre Stevenson, who you're, you're starting. You're not afraid of the Buffalo bills uh, run defense in this matchup, at least, but there's no one else who can catch passes to the level of what we've seen out of Kendrick Bourne when he's on, when he's off, it's bad, but he's got, Two games of double-digit targets, and he's got 18 and 28 points in both of those games. If New England chooses to feature Kendrick Bourne, it'll work out. He's going to be phenomenal. It's genuinely just a question of, do they throw him the ball? And we don't have a good way of knowing what the answer to that is. The Buffalo secondary is not looking spectacular. They've been ravaged by injuries on the defensive side of the ball already in Buffalo this year. And so it it makes Kendrick Bourne a reasonable 5 out of 10 star. I would put him in over Josh Downs. If you've got Kareem Hunt in the flex, I would love to have a guy like Kendrick Bourne as the backup plan for if Kareem Hunt isn't good to go because he does have the elite level of upside similar to Gabe Davis. Just the floor is more likely to hit for Bourne than it is for Gabe Davis, and that's why he's ranked lower. And although it's not a true backup quarterback matchup, the Washington Commanders are taking on the New York Giants in New York, where Daniel Jones will not play. We'll get our second week in a row of Tyrod Taylor. The backup quarterbacks are truly coming to play today, or Sunday. On the Washington side of things, it's another 5 out of 10. I really hate giving the 5 out of 10s, but everyone who's on the low tier feels like a coin flip. By By next week, we'll stop talking about the low tier guys because there'll be no buys and you'll have an 11-team league instead of the 12 that you've currently got going, and that's a big difference. But for the Washington Commanders, Curtis Samuel is the question mark. You can't trust Jahan Dotson, even though they've said they want to get him more involved. I don't believe a damn word that Ron Rivera says ever since he told us that Antonio Gibson was going to be used in the Christian McCaffrey role. I have not wanted to hear another word out of his lying commie mouth because he's because the commanders, he's not actually a communist. I promise. I think definitely don't promise. So sorry. But yeah. Curtis Samuel, uh, over the last three weeks, over 15 PPR points per game. He's done that off the back of one touchdown in each game, two receiving one rushing. And I don't like to bet on on the fluky touchdown because it, I don't want to make it sound like I don't like Curtis Samuel. I, I do. But touchdowns inherently, especially in the Washington offense, are fluky. You've got no idea if that's a trend that's going to continue. He still, though, is really involved. If you take away his touchdowns, he's still looking at double-digit points in all of those games. I am more than willing to fire Curtis Samuel up as like a 7 out of 10. I may have said, I I said 5 out of 10 because 5 out of 10 is in my notes. I'm wrong. I've talked myself into it live on the air. Curtis Samuel is right in that Gabe Davis range of a guy who I would definitely want in over Josh Downs, over Kendrick Bourne. The trend is there, and I'm going to follow that trend until either the wheels fall off or until next week when I get guys like Jamar Chase back off of bye. And then on the New York Giants side of things, the Daniel Jones sitting is fantastic news for one Wandale Robinson, who saw the most targets that he's gotten all season uh, with Tyrod Taylor. So as a really solid Floor play, I like Wandale Robinson as the 8 out of 10 just because of what you think and what you want to say that you know he is. In a PPR league, he is a plug it and don't worry very much about it. In any other format, I'm not looking to put Wandale Robinson in. Depending on what your team structure is, Wandale Robinson might completely not be for you. Right? If you're on. If you're on the lower end of the spectrum this week, if you're projected a good 10 points below everyone else because you had a dud, i.e. Calvin Ridley, for you on um on Thursday Night Football, then Wandale Robinson is not for you. You want a guy like Gabe Davis, like Kendrick Bourne, who could have a, an explosion game because that's just not what Wandale Robinson profiles to be. He should get a good five catches for 40 yards and... You're going to take those pretty consistent floor nine points in your wide receiver three or your flex spot, and you're going to survive based on other dudes and on Wandale not killing you. And with our next game, the battle of the backup continues. They're not backups yet, but they will be soon. We've got the Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. John U. Smith is the question mark. For the Atlanta Falcons. You're not going to roll Tyler Algier out there. Not against the Tampa Bay Bucks run defense. You're going to start Kyle Pitts. You're going to start Drake London. Bijan John Robinson, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. You roll him out and if, if you don't, I slap the shit out of you. Uh, John U. Smith is the only question mark going on here. He's a 3 out of 10 this week. I really don't hate the Jonu Smith start. Again... Six buys, no real tight end injuries to speak of outside of Pat Fryermuth, who uh, was looking to make his return, but he's going to have to wait another week. Jonu Smith is completely reasonable if your other tight end is letting you down, right? If you've got, if you were riding on Zach Ertz, who is just completely uninvolved in Arizona now, if you were a a Tyler Higby connoisseur which was totally reasonable when there was no Cooper Cup, then Janu Smith might be the man for you. He has been nine-plus PPR points each of the last three weeks. He caught a touchdown last week. Good for him. I don't feel terrible starting him because he's a tight end, and I feel terrible starting any tight end not named Travis Kelsey. But if you're in a spot and if you want to save some money, this is one of those uh, one of those not even, like, budget plays i feel like a budget play would be would be something closer to genuinely kyle pitts at this point but like like a genuine austerity plan play of rolling out Johnu smith and then figuring some shit out next week and then for the tampa bay buccaneers we got to talk about rashad white he has not been getting it done he is losing work to guys like Keyshawn Vaughn who has been dead in the water for three years ever since he got drafted by the Bucks. Sean Tucker earlier in the year already stole some work from it and now he's going up against an Atlanta Falcons run defense that is I think number four on the year against running backs you, your only hope on Rashad White is that Baker Mayfield for whatever reason just can't get it done against the Atlanta secondary which isn't Totally unreasonable. So we've got Rashad White at a six out of 10 just because of that possibility and because of what the running back position looks like this week. But if you have Rashad White and if you have Kareem Hunt, I would wait for word on Kareem Hunt and then deal Rashad White to someone else who's in bad shape. I think there's a really high chance that after this week, when there's only 11 teams left in the league, when there's no one on by, Rashad White is a total bench candidate next week. And whenever you look at guys like that who have value this week, were drafted with value, you can trade them and get more than what they're worth because this might be a asset that just completely falls off a cliff with a bad game against Atlanta. Speaking of good run defenses, we've got the Detroit Lions next on the schedule. They're going into Baltimore, and we're going to talk about some bad running backs. We've got Craig Reynolds for the Detroit Lions as a 5 out of 10. We talked about him on the um, add and drop section of our most recent show. He was a huge disappointment the first time that David Montgomery missed time, but he also did that. Against the Atlanta Falcons, who we just talked about as a really, really good run defense. And we didn't know it at the time. We knew that Atlanta had a strong pass defense. And so we thought that meant that the running backs are going to eat and they're going to get really good work. That's not the case. Atlanta's great against the run. I'm willing to give Josh Reynolds a second chance as a 4 out of 10 on the start sit meter against a Baltimore run defense that hasn't been exactly as feared as it's been in recent years. I think part of that might be because they're funneling more plays towards the run. Their secondary is performing really well considering uh, the injuries that they've been put through already this year. So I don't want to roll Craig Reynolds out there, especially with recent uh, remarks from head coach, Dan Campbell saying that they really want to get Jameer Gibbs involved, which if you've got Jameer Gibbs, you're saying fucking finally, and I, I do think, though, that there's a really high chance of a Craig Reynolds rushing touchdown. If he got points for pancake blocks, then Craig Reynolds would be a 10 out of 10 start. But because that stat is not currently tracked on ESPN Fantasy, he's just going to be a 5 out of 10 rolling into this week. And then on the other side, we've got the Baltimore running backs. Sit him. I don't care who you have to start. You could roll out. Patrick Ricard, I would I would probably think about starting the Baltimore fullback Patrick Ricard over the Baltimore running backs this week. The Detroit Lions eat running backs for breakfast, and they haven't even played a bunch of bad running backs. Like th- this is really a situation where you've got two running back splits. I bet Lamar Jackson leads this team in in rushing yards. Maybe even leads the team in carries. There is no situation. Where I am desperate enough to start a Baltimore running back. If you are desperate enough to start a Baltimore running back, it's your week. Thanks for listening. You know, you're we uh, we hope you stick around and continue listening to this to the show, hearing all the stories of the people who go out, you know, along with you and after you. But don't stall. Start the Baltimore running back. It it's no. Please don't. One of them might fall into the end zone, and you might say, "Ha, huh, Joe, you were wrong." No, I wasn't. Just because someone tripped and fall into the end zone doesn't mean the formula is wrong. The formula is there. And speaking of running backs that I am trying to sit absolutely everywhere, uh, we've got in our next game the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Los Angeles Rams. The, this is gonna be, I genuinely think, a really ugly one in terms of the fantasy stars. I mean, you've got. A perfectly reasonable stream, and Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Puka are both in your lineup, and they're not leaving. And that's kind of it. I don't think there's a lot of other guys in this game who I who I feel really good about. Deontay Johnson is going to play his first game in uh, the last five weeks. He played in Week One for only about half the game, and then he had a really rough-looking hamstring injury. He's back. Deontay Johnson's the guy I want to talk about for Pittsburgh as genuinely as a... burped, Sorry. It was kind of gross, so I cut it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as, as genuinely as a 1 out of 10. Like, this is the... This is not the week to say, oh, let's see what happens, because this offense has been so bad. Like, it, it's his first game back from injury. They, the Steelers have been known to try to ease their guys in. They are very long-term oriented football team I want to find someone not named Deontay Johnson to start it could be a Rasheed Rice type of guy it could be any wide receiver who we've talked about thus far because I don't think that Deontay Johnson has that same ceiling and he also has a floor of exactly zero like he could go out there and he could complain about his hamstring and Mike Tomlin could say all right sit down you know and let Let George Pickens do George Pickens things. Which, you know, George Pickens, you're starting him this game. You don't have other options. But that's not the guy who we came here to talk about. We're talking about Deontay, and we're sitting him down for one more week just because we want to see what happens. On the Los Angeles Rams side of things, there has been an absolute flurry of roster moves made by the Rams to add running backs to this team. I don't... Like it. I do like Zach Evans, just like as a prospect, as a running back coming out of college, I was really interested in him. I was thinking the Chiefs might get him in the late rounds. I thought he would be a good compliment to Isaiah Pacheco. But that's not the point. The point is, we have no clue what's going to happen for this Los Angeles Rams team. It reminds me a lot of what we saw last week in... Uh, in Arizona where we were pretty sure like, Oh, it's going to be Amari Di Mercado. He's the late slash undrafted rookie running back who has been the, he, he's been the most involved out of the guys who were left. And then whenever it gets down to business, the team feels more comfortable giving the ball to the veterans, to the Royce Freeman, to the Daryl Henderson, who they uh, just signed. They have, Miles Gaskin took me a second to pull that name out of the hat. Uh, Miles Gaskin, who was cut by the uh, by the Minnesota Vikings after they acquired Cam Akers. I don't think that all of those running backs play and get time, but it does give me a lot of ca a lot of pause, excuse me, and reason for concern to feel like this Los Angeles Rams team is confident. In Zach Evans. If you're confident and you like the guy that you're rolling out there on Sunday, you don't go and add someone who's been two guys who are familiar with your system and be ready for the emergency play. Uh, it's also a sign that Kyron Williams probably isn't coming back anytime soon. R.I.P. Kyron Williams. You will be missed. So, Los Angeles Rams running backs, two out of 10, maybe a three, four Zach Evans. Because he's been there the longest, I'd give him the nod. But, man. This is also a Pittsburgh defense, though, that is not nearly as bad against running backs as the raw stats tell you. Like, they got destroyed by Nick Chubb, and they got destroyed by Christian McCaffrey. And uh, not only Nick Chubb, but Jerome Ford playing the Nick Chubb role in that game after Nick Chubb went down. And for the rest of the season, they haven't been super leaky towards... Running backs, and you you got to sit and think: Are Royce Freeman and Zach Evans closer to Christian McCaffrey, or are they closer to guys like 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 Damian Pierce and the Baltimore running backs who they let up you know modest to below average production? To I would bet that they're closer to the latter. Arguably, the worst running backs. Not arguably, they're the worst running backs that this uh, Pittsburgh run defense has been up against. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. That was the last of the Noon Slate games. We're moving into the 330 where all of the guys get a little tiny boost to their start-sit rating just because you get to see more things that happen beforehand. It gives you the opportunity to trade one of these guys away and acquire a more impressive star in exchange for some free agent budget. It allows you to do the opposite. Trade some of these guys away if you're sitting pretty if one of your guys went for, you know, 50 points, pulled the old Jamar Chase out on him to, you know, and then you can sell these guys to someone looking a tad rougher than you. Starting off, the Arizona Cardinals are taking on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. I don't want anything to do with this backfield. Keontae Ingram would be the only kind of start I'm looking at at like a, again, a two- No, a 3 out of 10 because I'd take him over the Los Angeles running backs. A 3.1 out of 10 because I'd take him by just that much over the Los Angeles running backs. Rondale Moore is the guy, though, who I specifically want to highlight and talk about as a 4 out of 10 start. I have not liked Rondale Moore going into the season. I said he's he's not going to be that guy. I was right outside of a single 54-yard touchdown run. He has done absolutely nothing. All season. But I don't think it's crazy to start him against a Seattle secondary that is really, really good against the outside receivers of Marquise Brown and Michael Wilson. And hasn't been able to do much against slot wide receivers. Not only that, but with no James Conner, the Rondale Moore rushing upside is higher than ever. Right. And after last week when they saw what they can get out of their starting running backs, which is, um, nothing, Rondale Moore's ability to get carries and draw short area targets in this offense is going through the roof. Even still, that's only worth a 4 out of 10 because they are on the road in Seattle and their offense is still really bad without James Conner. Rondale Moore, 4 out of 10 until proven otherwise. Not impossible to start him, but it's, it's tough to find dudes you're benching for Rondale Moore. Not impossible. On the Seattle side, we're looking at Geno Smith, and I don't know if I like it. This is an Arizona team that has just been inexplicably good against everyone. Not necessarily good, but just manageable. I don't know how they continue to do it. They are schematically really good on defense. They don't give up a lot of enormous plays, and fortunately for geno smith that's not something he's really been relying on this year his deep ball which was money last year just hasn't been there he's an eight out of ten for this week as a reasonable streaming candidate but it's really the guys who you're excited about in seattle you're totally starting them i like the matchup for kenneth walker for both of the receivers in this game it's just a question of does geno smith throw one touchdown pass or does he throw Two touchdown passes. We talked about Matt Stafford matched up against Arizona at home last week, and I was really excited about him, but he only threw the one rushing, the one touchdown pass because the other touchdowns that got scored were on the ground. Geno Smith could easily fall victim to the same thing. I don't hate the idea of starting him in a pinch, but especially the way Kenneth Walker's been getting it done on the ground, I don't feel great about him getting to that second touchdown. Start with caution. For our next game, the worst defense in NFL history is the worst defense in NFL history no longer. The Denver Broncos, in terms of DVOA, have dropped from the worst defense in NFL history to the second worst defense in NFL history. Congratulations, Denver. Congratulations, Bronco fans everywhere. We've got what could be electric and could be absolute poop. Green Bay at the Denver Broncos. If you are starting someone in this game, hold on to your butts. Hold on to whatever you can possibly grab. It's going to be really fucking weird football. That's all we've seen out of Green Bay all year. That's all we've seen out of Denver all year. And you know what? I'm giving everyone in this game a little boost just because I think it's going to be fun to watch that wacky shit going down. And possibly benefiting and possibly being heartbroken by it. Luke Musgrave is a really interesting start on the Green Bay Packers side of things. He has been highly targeted, highly involved in uh, the mid like weeks two through week four. He wasn't really that guy week one. He wasn't really that guy week five. We can speculate about why that was. I would bet that in week one, it's because no Aaron Jones. And I would bet that week five... He wasn't perfectly healthy. Denver has not been able to cover tight ends well at all. The only problem is they also have not been able to cover running backs or wide receivers at all either. I don't know if the ball's going to Luke Musgrave, but at the end of the day, when you have a really shallow week, and you might have your starting tight end on by, you might have problems throughout your roster. You may have had to trade your tight end because your running backs both suck. Luke Musgrave then... Slots in as my favorite streaming candidate at tight end just because of the matchup. The Denver defense has gotten a little better over recent weeks, a little healthier. They've been better at covering outside receivers compared to, you know, what they, how they covered outside receivers against the dolphins, which is saying absolutely nothing. But in the event that the Packers want to protect Jordan love, which they do, they have been trying to make, some conservative play calls for him. They don't want him to put the ball in harm's way. Luke Musgrave would be a really good target. And against a really not good defense, I'll take that bet. 6 out of 10. If you don't feel great about your tight end, you can feel not great but good about Luke Musgrave. On the Denver side of things, I I don't want to talk about this team. So I won't. Jaleel McLaughlin, 6 out of 10. Just Denver... You see, I I burped again that time and like a little bit came up with it, but I'm not going to cut it out because that's how I feel about the Denver Broncos. McLaughlin 6 out of 10. If you want to know why, I don't know, text me. The Los Angeles Chargers in our final afternoon game taking on the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. These are two very concentrated and fantasy point teams. There's not a lot of Question marks going around. Josh Palmer is the only questionable start for the Los Angeles Chargers. No, you're not giving Quentin Johnston a chance. We've we've seen enough from Quentin Johnston. Josh Palmer, based on when he's playing and how excellent he was last week and just had four catches, including a touchdown called back based on offensive line penalties, gives me a lot of confidence to start him in this matchup at Kansas City. I would give him the eight out of 10 compared to all the other receivers we've talked about so far. I feel probably the best about Josh Palmer. The only thing that gives me pause is that Kansas city has been absolutely shut down against outside wide receivers. He works in the slot and on the outside about 50, 50, um, in, in each category. It doesn't really matter in terms of, up because Kansas City can also cover in the slot. But between what Josh Palmer should have done last week and the fact that this is a game where they're probably going to throw a lot of footballs because their defense can't hold up to even a Kansas City offense that isn't exactly firing on all cylinders, I like Josh Palmer. And if I find myself in an early rut, I can find myself turning Josh Palmer into Keenan Allen and feeling spectacular. You know, I I probably won't like what I have to pay to do that, but I will like having Keenan Allen on my fantasy team. And then on the Kansas City side, for every reason that we just talked about for Josh Palmer, except his quarterback and his offense and his opportunity share is just better, uh, Rasheed Rice is a genuine 10 out of 10 start. He has been more and more involved with this offense. I've said that every week. It's starting to feel like a cop-out, but it is still true. He is more involved this week than he was last week, which was true for the last three weeks. Rasheed Rice is the only guy who might separate himself from, among the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers. I do not care that Nicole Hardman is back. They they might have Nicole Hardman active for this game, but they play completely different roles. Hardman is a red zone gadget guy, and he is a kick returner for the most part. Rasheed Rice is working over the middle and becoming one of those early in the down safety blanket for Patrick Mahomes when he's facing a lot of pressure. Los Angeles Chargers love to blitz. They love to roll the dice. I like Rasheed Rice a lot in this matchup. 10 out of 10. I would take him over every wide receiver who I've talked about so far. The Sunday night game is super straightforward. The Miami Dolphins are playing at the Philadelphia Eagles. It's super simple. You ready? If you sit anyone in this game, I'll fucking kill you. Except Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson might not even play, even if he does play the... Miami Dolphins haven't done a super good job of getting running backs involved early when they're fresh off an injury. We saw that with Chris Brooks. We saw that with Selvan Ahmed. And we saw that with Devon Achan. Even though Devon Achan is an absolute stud, his first game active, they gave him one carry for seven yards. And then they sat him. Don't start Jeff Wilson. Start everyone fucking else. And if you don't, not only will I hurt you, but your team will hurt you it will hurt to look at that player on your bench and say wow that could have been that could have been real points and said it's just bench points which don't matter in our final game we really like guys who are playing in the monday night the monday night miracle option is always my favorite the san francisco running back situation though still gives me a headache and i don't even have christian mccaffrey on any teams if you have christian mccaffrey You must find a way to get Elijah Mitchell onto your team. On a low tier, you can go for Jordan Mason, but if Christian McCaffrey misses, it's going to be Elijah Mitchell. Kyle Shanahan has all but confirmed that. If you are relying on Elijah Mitchell, don't. Christian McCaffrey is not human, and he could very well say, you know what? My ribs don't work right, but I am still going to play running back, and I'm probably still going to score 30 fantasy points. So the running backs aren't who we're going to talk about because the only guy who you're starting for sure right now is Christian McCaffrey, and you have to have a backup option if that's your plan. It is a must. No way around it. George Kittle's the guy who we want to talk about. He's a guy I want to give you some confidence on. He's had a couple of really bad weeks. I think he's got a combined three points in the last two weeks. It's rough out there. There's a couple of things to give you... Hope. First of which, the Minnesota pass rush is nowhere near what we just saw out of the Cleveland pass rush last week. George Kittle should spend considerably less time blocking, considerably more time catching sick touchdowns. The other thing, Debo Samuel, not healthy, most likely going to not play in this matchup, at least uh, from what I've seen. It doesn't look like he's going to be a go, and even if he is, he's not going to be a full go. That's great for George Kittle. In games where either Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk missed time, he's normally fantastic. The other thing is, Christian McCaffrey should, if he plays, be less involved. That means more short area targets for, guess who, for George Kittle. I love him. It's a 10 out of 10. If you've been, if you've been down in the dumps on George Kittle, you don't think about it for a damn second. You're starting him and you're not thinking twice. He's the Gabe Davis of tight ends, baby. Get him in your lineup. And then for Minnesota, I don't want to have to trust that Alexander Madison's going to get it done. Minnesota continues to give guys like CJ Ham and Cam Akers more and more work. That makes me want to throw up in my mouth, Lil. I don't like that as an Alexander Madison owner. I don't like the San Francisco 49ers as a matchup as an Alexander Madison owner. I'm looking for any excuse to sit him. If I can't find one, so be it. You know, I'll I'll roll the dice with death and hope that the rest of my team does well enough that I don't need anything from Madison on Monday night. But that's not the guy who we're talking about. Both the receivers and TJ Hawkinson are perfectly good starts in this game. It's the third wide receiver who we want to look at. It's Brandon Powell, and he's catching passes from Kirk Cousins in primetime against one of the best defenses in the NFL. And you might say Joe. Why the fuck would I start someone catching passes from Kirk Cousins in primetime without Justin Jefferson against one of the best defenses in the NFL? And I would tell you it's because it's Monday night. It's because if you need something from Brandon Powell and if you don't ha- if you're questionable on do I start Brandon Powell, Or do I start like Curtis Samuel or Kendrick Bourne or Josh Downs or other guys who we've talked about or guys who we haven't even talked about? The answer is fucking Powell. He is going, he, if you are in a bad spot and you need a lot of points out of Powell, he won't give them to you. But you can trade Powell and you can trade money or players who were on by and you can find someone who can give you a lot of points. And if you don't need a lot of points. Powell gets involved whenever there's uh, when there's been no Justin Jefferson. He didn't have any points all year except for I think he had minus two rushing yards at one point, and I think he muffed a punt. Other than that, no involvement. When whew, excuse me, when Justin Jefferson went down, he had four targets in half a game, and then last game that they won, uh, kind of by their defense, and they were running a little bit more. He still had a clean six targets, put up five fantasy points he is a complete bottom of the barrel floor play but the upside of him is enormous because of what you can turn him into if you if you're fucked and christian mccaffrey plays you never know you you could turn this man into a christian mccaffrey with the right you know sexual favors and enough of your free agent budget being sent his way but that is going to wrap up our start sit show. We are doing our very best to get it out for you earlier now. And we are, this is getting out on a Friday. We don't have full information. Um, Absolutely. Keep the channels open on who's going to be active, who's going to be inactive and what that means for your fantasy team. But with that, we'll thank you very much for listening. This has been another episode of the chopped guillotine podcast, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.